Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk recorded live. We are indeed recorded live as usual. I, I can't imagine any other way to record the show. We recorded dead, maybe? I don't know. This is Bradshaw to Ben. You are listening to the SteelerFury.com podcast. Uh, for December 17th, 2015, that would be week, well, what is this, 15 of the of the 2015 season, and uh, things have been pretty good the last couple of weeks for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Here to talk about it with me, as usual, is the pundit and curmudgeon of all things Steelers. His name is FC. How are you, sir? I am absolutely fantastic. Yeah? That's because you, you played Tyler Lockett and uh, Doug Baldwin <laughs> in draft games last week. I know the truth. That that did help. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you your your Pittsburgh Steelers had had a nice win also against Cincinnati. You may have noticed while you were busy playing DraftKings. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what was your main takeaway from this game? Was it that you were a little disappointed that uh, Vontaze Burflick didn't end up on a stretcher, or are you just happy to get out of there with the win? Vontaze Burflick didn't finish the game. That did make me a little bit happy. Um, probably the thing that made me the most happy in that entire game is I believe David DeCastro has developed a legitimate mean streak, and I love it. Um, when uh, the last uh, penalty on the offense uh, for unsportsmanlike conduct, it looked like he was attempting to pump his fingers in this guy's eyes, not once, not twice, but about 11 times on the bottom of the pile. Uh, towards the end of the third quarter. I was like, oh, yes, yes. That well, fucker did something to you. To, you're just absolutely losing your mind. And I kind of appreciate it. Well, you know, he's had a whole season to play next to the best, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Wallace, paging Dr. Wallace. Now, you have to think that some of that would have to rub off at some point, you know. Uh, at any rate, yeah, they. Um, I said in my postgame write-up uh, uh, that the, the – Offensive line was uh, – they, they did a really solid job in this game. And it didn't at the time to me seem that they were – you know, it wasn't like they were uh, winning the battles in the in the run game, but they did enough in the run game against a really good front. And I gave them credit for that because, uh, you know, those, those guys kind of disappeared, the interior of the Cincinnati defense, did they not? They did. And, but, I mean, what you have to say is doing enough wins for offensive linemen. You know, defensive linemen got to beat the block, find the ball – ball carrier and tackle them. And if the offensive lineman can prevent any one of those three, and generally if you do one and two, three, the third one doesn't happen, then uh, it's, it's uh, mostly wins. And the surprising thing is uh, they really didn't seem all that tested. And Cincinnati actually uh, just, like, blitzed their balls off. And, you know, the Steelers just sat back, picked it up, and, you know, played their game. And it was a beautiful just the one blitz from uh, where the, the Michael Johnson had a little bit of a uh, – he started coming out to tackle and then went to the inside, and they brought a safety or something from the outside. It was the only right. one that got home. And that was just a uh, – you know, because Michael Johnson, Foster was a little bit late getting over on the pickup. But 
you know, considering, the, like you said, the number of times that they they threw stuff at the Steelers' uh, offense, it seemed to, you know, to, like you said, they did enough to win. And, uh, you know, it wasn't the big plays we've been we've come accustomed to, but I guess I'm a little spoiled. Sure. I mean, aren't, aren't we all? I mean, you know, I think Ben's going to be, what, the third or fourth quarterback to throw for 3,000 yards for – seven or eight years in a row or so. it was some crazy set that, that I seen that I was like, Oh, Tom Brady's not in it because he blew out his knee. But, uh, you know, he's, I mean, he's probably now in, you know, the back end of his career and, you know, we've been spoiled. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying those words, you know, after, because <laughs> Terry Bradshaw really, I mean, I can remember the end of his career a little bit, but I was stuck with, uh, Literally, your posting name, everything from Bradshaw to Ben in between was pretty terrible. Yeah, it was certainly was. Even at, at its best, had just, you know, glimmers of, of uh, greatness. Steve Bono. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, Steve Bono won one really good game. Neil O'Donnell had a half a season that was terrific. Uh, Bobby Brister had a little short stretch where he was pretty good. Tommy Maddox had that one magical season. Cordell Stewart had, you know, two two parts of two seasons where he was, he was really special, but David Woodley. nothing like just like this. Nothing like this. Well, David Woodley was never great. But <laughs> neither was Kurt Graham. Kurt Graham never had a moment where you were like, okay, Jim Miller with this guy. <laughs> Jim Miller was only in preseason. Did we think? All right, we get one with this guy. That was a, Jim Miller was the strangest quarterback career maybe in the history of Pittsburgh, because he won this. You know, there was a big quarterback competition. He won it coming out of training camp. And he he started the first game, got benched, and never played again. Right, so that's for the Steelers. He actually went on to have a decent career as a backup. He actually got a bunch of starts. I think he started in Miami. Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. I think as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, at any rate, though, yes, we're it. You know, it can't say enough about Ben. As I said, you know, you're great. You're great after these games. Very rare isn't the is the game where you could say, you know, the quarterback wasn't great. Because even even at his worst, he's pretty damn good. He makes a lot of plays, and he may make some mistakes that that are the problem. But it's you know he rarely goes out there and is just mediocre. Um, it's it's so rare that when it happens, it's it's news. You know, he won um, and ran I, for a first down this week too. Let's not forget that. Well, I think it's three weeks in a row now he's run for a first down. Right after you said he doesn't run anymore and it's a, some big part of the game that he needs to do. I think maybe he listens to the show and responds on the field. You know, he lets his play do the talking. Yeah, well, um, the uh, the other thing I want to point out is in, in, the, in defense of the Steelers' offense, which, you know, quote, did enough to win, put up 26 points against a defense that's very hard to score against. I believe Cincinnati led the league. If they didn't lead the league, they're within one. No, I think actually they were the league leaders in the fewest – uh, plays over 20 yards given up by their defense. So from that standpoint, you know, they're really predicated on keeping a bunch of guys back and they have, you know, guys that can, uh, that will tackle and keep you from making big plays. So against a team like that, you have to be really patient and it seemed like they were. So uh, a few complaints. Let's talk about the Steelers defense for a second against uh, Cincinnati's offense. You know, they hit that one big play to Tyler Eifert over, over the top. I don't like. I um. I never actually did go back to see the uh, penalty on Mike Mitchell. It seemed like, you know, one of those ones where the receiver Mike Mitchell went really low, and the receiver receiver got so low that he he lowered his own target area uh, for Mike I mean, Mitchell. But 
Either way, the penalty, penalty was a good penalty. <laughs> was it? I don't know what I mean. Is either either way it was a good penalty to take? Right. I, I, I okay. pretty much I ended the game. Yeah. yeah. Actually, uh, I heard, I went back and looked at that. Now I'm not gonna swear by it. So if, if somebody else has a different like picture capture, I would love to see it. But I think Eifert injured himself. I think Eifert laundered himself, and I think that uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Mike Mitchell actually gets the mic up around like the the shoulder pad in the neck. I don't think he actually contacts him directly in the head. I think Tyler Neifert, you know, Lombard himself, clearly. I'm not going to say, like, he, like, kamikaze, but because regardless, Mike Mitchell had very bad intentions, but, you know, just intending to do something and doing it are two different things. And if he did contact him in the head, I give him a that boy and, you know, pass the cup, pay the fine. Well, and also, Eifert, if he did injure himself, he did it trying to get out of the way of a guy trying to kill him. That he yes. coming, so... So from that standpoint, whatever whatever it was, it worked a little bit. But I guess I, I guess I was going to say aside aside from that play, really, uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of. Uh, I guess that the uh, you know the the double move to AJ Green. Uh, other than that, they were it was a very quiet. Even from the Steelers' standpoint, of they give up a lot of yards and a lot of pass plays, it's not like they got. Uh, got really killed in this game on defense. I think they were in, they felt like they were in control of the game defensively. And I don't, I don't think McCarron was too bad. He, he might've been better throwing those, those intermediate dig routes uh, down the seam than even Dalton is. I wouldn't disagree. I mean, AJ McCarron's actually a gamer. He won a lot of games at Alabama. Um, I think that there's quite a few NFL teams with certain quarterbacks where AJ McCarron would be a pretty decent option for him at this point. And, uh, you know, the Sewers, I, I don't, I don't want to say that the Sewers were great because, you know, A.J. Dalton was, you know, injured early. But, you know, you got to give Steven to it, you know, for making a hell of a play, which basically led to the injury to Dalton. And uh, every time the Sewers blitzed, um, Dalton, you know, didn't do shit. It's the Dalton, um, or excuse me, McCarron didn't do shit. McCarron just had success when the Sewers dropped six, dropped, you know, dropped seven in the zones, and he actually, you know, made some plays. Yeah, you know, we, we, we won on to the next one, you know. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like, you know, I a lot of people were, were just denigrating the victory because Dalton was knocked out. But I, I would say that, you know, although Dalton is uh, good at what he does and, and does a very good job of, you know, doing enough for that team that has such a good defense, I, I really – I'm really impressed by their defense. They don't, they don't have a lot of name guys that you think of immediately, but I'll tell you what, they they actually are a very solid defense. I would, you know, if we had that defense to go with our offense, you wouldn't be able to beat the Steelers. See, uh, what, so, I think, I, I, what I think uh, Reggie Nelson's a very good deep center fielder. He has his holes in his games, but he is a ball hawk. He makes a ton of plays on the ball. I believe he leads the NFL in interceptions since 2005, either him or Richard Sherman might be 2009, that uh, either Reggie Nelson or Richard Sherman lead the NFL in interceptions. I'm pretty sure Sherman leads the NFL, and I'm pretty sure Reggie Nelson's second, which, you know, he, he plays. Well, if he, gets to play, if he played Ben every week, he'd, have, he'd be far and away sure. the leader. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But, I mean, like, uh, I, I, the Bengals actually get the most out of what they have. 
And, you know, this year their defense, you know, they have experience. Mike jo- Michael Johnson's coming back. He's familiar with the system there. You know, Geno Atkins. You have guys that have played in that system, you know, for a while. I understand that Pac-Man, Pac-Man Jones was down, but Leon Hall just stepped in. And, you know, Leon Hall's been there forever. Um, the, the yeah, a lot of, lot, of top, is, lot of high picks and a lot of continuity, you know. The thing is, is if Ben just stays patient the entire game against, and he's going to have to do it in the playoffs because team, the, the Bengals are probably pretty much the Bengals, and I guess you could say to a point the Kansas City Chiefs, but I would say the Steelers shut down, and I understand Ben didn't play that game. You know, the, they're the teams that, you know, Seattle, I mean, we, we, it, was, we, it was a shootout. that you, You're not going to look at that film and want to do what Seattle did against the Steelers. You know, what it comes down to is Ben just has to be patient. He has to be willing to take the six- or seven-yard completion every single time. And sooner or later, teams are going to have to take a chance. Yep. And also, that opens up the run game a little bit. It should against teams that don't have that terrific inside presence that Cincinnati has. They're, they're going to be able to run the ball because the way they stopped the Steelers' offense or slowed them down was dropping a bunch of guys in the coverage. Uh, and so you, if you do that against the Steelers, they're eventually going to get you with the run game which I think they finally, you know, in the red zone positions, they seem to do, you know, they suddenly turned on the switch for the run game. Uh, I don't like all the, able east, to stop them. I don't like the, all the east-west running. And, and, we're, and even all the pure zone concepts that we have, um, I think that the Steelers would be better off with, uh, I understand that our backs are showing patience, but with more, I don't want to say quick hitting plays, but less pulling. Ramon Foster pulling is not a pretty sight. You know, actually, Cody Wallace getting out there leading plays at times is not a very pretty sight. Both have been effective. DeCastro does a pretty decent job of it. He's a, you know, athletic big man. But I think there's the Steelers' run game, especially whenever you have snow and shit fields, you know, you're going to have to, you know, uh, less uh, lateral run game, more north-south. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, you know, it seems like we're against most teams. We're capable of doing anything we want to do in the run game. I just feel like it's, you know, that may change from team to team, right? I mean, that's that's the thing. It's you've sure. got the matchups that week, and and we can do it because they seem to. You know, there were certain games we played this year where we we did everything you could conceive of doing in the run game and executed it all really well. Uh, but. You know, this was, this like, is going to be I, one I, of those weeks. <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, this is going to be one of those weeks. This is going to yeah, probably be the Steelers' most serious test of the season against Denver. Yeah, well, uh, we're going to get to that in just a second. Before we do, we got a call, a couple calls on hold. One is from Eastern Pennsylvania. Who might this be? Hey, it's Steeler Toy Die. <laughs> it's Steeler, wait, Steeler Toy what? Steeler Toy Die. FCD, baby. Oh, Steelers. I thought you said Steelers toy dad, like it's Christmas and you've become okay. you've become like, like Santa, like Pittsburgh dad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Steelers uh, till I die, dad. How are things in lovely uh, Amish country? Oh, great! They're always great. Uh, nothing ever changes, you know. <laughs> How are you? You're guys probably. Doing? Uh, I, I do very well. I'm in Miami Beach. I, I can't really complain. You're, you're, you're in tall <laughs> cotton, man. That's the place to be right now. Pretty good, although it was 85 yesterday. That's actually even a little hot for December. Oh, uh, I feel bad for you. 85 degrees right now. That's uncomfortable. Hey, uh, you're 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 still kind of far from Dietrich Meets 
aren't you? They're out towards uh, the Lehigh Valley. I think that's a little, it's an Amish store out there. Yeah, but I know where that is, actually. I've been there. Yeah, right on 78. That's a good spot. It is actually, a good for, spot. For the holidays, you hop in there and get some, uh, you know, get your smoked turkey, your smoked ham, your smoked sausage, your smoked, you know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, how, how did you enjoy the Steeler game last week? Uh, I thought it was great. One of the things that I was kind of happy to see uh, um, just off the top, and correct me if I'm wrong, I maybe was imagining last week's game, but I think we scored uh, at the end of the uh, first half with, uh, you know, Tomlin saving his timeouts till after the two-minute warning and throwing to the middle of the field and using the timeouts to stop the clock. And he's taken a lot of heat for that, like, hey, you should always take the timeouts before the two-minute warning. But it seemed to work out pretty well this week. Um, am I am I right in remembering that that way? Your memory yeah. is correct, FC. I was I'll, I'll let you answer this, but I was just going to say, you know, my position is I, I understand. I may not agree with their tack, but I think what they're really after here is they value not getting not letting the other team score a cheap points at the end of the half almost as much as they value getting the points themselves. Their ideal situation is. We get at least three, maybe seven. You get zero, no matter what. And so it feels like if that is their, if that's what they're trying to do, the way he played the timeouts was perfect. Agreed. Um, I I would like a, a little bit more if we win the the, the coin toss to defer. I I don't like taking the ball. I actually like having the attempt to have the last possession of the second half or first half, and then the first possession of the second half, where you can have you know a multiple point swing. You know, and the Steelers have had success on the first drives this year. So, you know, I'm, I, maybe my point's horrible, but it just is the way I prefer. It's the, you know, and Tomlin's done a decent job coaching. People want to put everything under the microscope now. You know, we haven't won a Super Bowl, you know, been one out in the playoffs. So every decision he makes, whenever he makes a bone fucking head call, he's human, all coaches do, he makes a bone head call. I think that we're better off than – a majority of the teams in the NFL when it comes to coaching. So, <laughs> well, that in particular, uh, you know, the clock thing. I think it's just it's just one of those things that's become in the last couple of years a thing that people get get very into the analytics of it. And I, I think it's maybe I don't know. I think it's a video game thing. I think when you're used to being able to have instantaneous control, stopping the clock. You know, it's on the field. It's like it, you gotta. You know, you understand a lot of about the situation and about what's going on with people. Does somebody need a breather? Does somebody need to talk about it? You have to get someone's attention to call a timeout. Another extra second might roll off here or there. You know, it's sort of like it isn't always this equation of like we save 30 seconds by doing this and 15 seconds. I think it's kind of over overthought. And I mean, I know that I catch flack for thinking that, but I, I feel like I'm not even just saying it to defend this particular head coach or head coaches in general, I just think it, you know, there's a lot goes into what happens during the timeouts and the use of the clock rather than just what a computer model would tell you to do. Right. Oh, completely I, agree. Go ahead. Uh, I, I agree totally. And you know, one thing that I, that I was wondering if you guys could do sometime, cause I'm pretty sure both of you have a fairly good knowledge of this is like, uh, what goes on in a 40-second clock? Like, how much time, how long does it take to get, uh, you know, the uh, info from upstairs, get to the offensive coordinator, get to the quarterback, into the huddle, get it to the team, and then line up? Um, 
sometimes I think people don't understand, like, hey, you have a very, very limited amount of time to actually decide what play to run. Um, I, I know the microphone in the quarterback's helmet goes dead with 10 seconds on the play clock, I believe. It might be 15 seconds, but I'm pretty sure it's 10 <laughs> seconds on the play clock where the communication device goes dead. So, I mean, really, you only have – and, you know, you still have, hey, there's probably five seconds in the beginning that you're, hey, did we gain four yards or three? And, and you know, um, there's really not a ton of time to discuss those things. And I know there's been, uh, you know, a lot of people put a – have uh, – had a lot to say. Well, it should have been this play, and that play was completely wrong. And and uh, you know the percentages say this, and um, I, I I think percentages are good, and I think there's a lot to be said for understanding what the percentages say. But just in 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 one sense, um, the percentages only are what they are because football coaches and people who know football decided in that instance to do that, you know? Like, people talk about, oh, you should always go for it on fourth down. The percentages say you should. Well, you know, football coaches make a decision based on who are we playing, what play do we have, who are our personnel, who are their personnel. So I think the percentages are skewed in in a sense that, like, they made a decision based on, hey, what's the other team showing us, rather than, hey, you convert a, a fourth and one you know, 56% of the time or whatever it is. Yeah, but the problem with averages like that, it, t- it totally fails to take into account your team, the other team, the actual situation on the field. And I'm, I'm all about playing the odds. You know, like if, I, if I'm playing uh, cards or whatever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the odds most of the time because the fact that the variables are so much fewer than there are during a football game with human beings. So well, I, you know, when it comes – come, go ahead. I totally agree with you. Maybe I misstated that, but I, I'm totally on your side with that. I mean, it comes down to who's on the field. You know, it's not, it's not a coin flip. You know, um, yeah. If if football was just a coin flip, percentages might work out, but like it doesn't. It's, you know, there's two things that happen with a coin flip: it's heads or tails. Uh, in any given football play, there's, you know, a hundred different variables. Well, I, here's what I, the question I think we're all waiting to find out uh, that our whole audience wants to know right now is, how can STD be the voice of reason when he calls in on the show, especially today? Like, is it different medication? Like, what, what's the story? Come on. I, well, I'll tell you the truth, Peter B. I think I'm always reasonable. I think it's other people who are unreasonable. Okay? Of course. That's and, what, that's what the, everybody thinks. Yeah, okay. Exactly. That's what everybody <laughs> thinks. You're the idiot. I'm the reasonable one. Um, exactly. Well, before but, I let you go, what do you what do you think about this week? Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think the uh, I think the Broncos' defense is going to be a big test, but <laughs> I feel like uh, whether it's uh, whether it's Brock or Peyton, I think we're going to uh, you know. I think our defense is going to do pretty well against those, and I think Butler's shown a tendency to uh, want to be aggressive, and I think that's going to pay some some nice dividends. Um, you know, if we don't turn the ball over and we don't make stupid plays, I think we're going to win this game by double digits. But, uh, um, you know, their defense will be a test, and, you know, ultimately, and I think the whole season goes like this. If we keep Ben upright and he doesn't get hit, we're going to win most games. 
Yeah, well, that that sums it up. You really are the voice of reason today. Um, Thank you for the. One, <laughs> one other one other thing I'd like to quickly add. Number yeah. one, um, uh, a lot of your post game write ups. Uh, wow, some very very nice work. I would like to give a, a shout out to Perch. Perch, I hope you get better soon. We miss you. And uh, FC, it was really nice to see your uh, your pregame uh, again. That was excellent. Thank you. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate the compliment. And, I, yeah, we're on the same boat with Perch. I thought maybe he might join us for a little while today. Haven't seen him uh, show up in the queue yet, but hopefully he's doing all right. I think he's doing a little better. I've, I've, he's, he's poked his head up a couple times the last couple of weeks. So he's also he's retaken the lead for me in our uh, – score prediction in the score prediction game, which, you know, my only really concern with the score prediction game is trying to beat Perch. So right. I'm a little, dis- I'm a little disappointed. He's come back. Uh, I thought maybe when he went on the IRR, I'd have a chance to like gain some ground, but unfortunately uh, not enough. He's a, uh, he's a uh, prime time player, man. You can't uh, <laughs> big time players make big time plays. There you go. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you very much for the call, but I appreciate it. And uh, I'll talk to you next week, but hopefully. All right, you guys take it easy. Hey, uh, FC, you know, he, he mentioned – or you mentioned that the people get on the coach, you know, because he's, he hasn't won in this amount of time or the other. Just does anybody remember that Bill Belichick took 10 years to win no. a Super Bowl in between, you know, with Tom Brady, with maybe the best quarterback of all time? So 10 years he went without a Super Bowl win, just like to say. Anyway, um, with, a, with a, you know, with a Hall of Fame uh, stud quarterback, so just for the record, and he's, you know, maybe a better coach than Mike Tomlin, if he's, if he's to be believed. Um, we have a caller now on the line from Washington. Who's this? Orange Steel, maybe. Hey, boys, are we recorded live again? We are so live, you can't even believe it. <laughs> Listen to us. <laughs> hey, happy, happy holidays to you guys. To you as well. Yeah. Well, Hanukkah's over. You know, you can move on to Kwanzaa and Christmas. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch to choose from. <laughs> exactly. How did you uh, how did you enjoy the game last week? What's your uh, what's your story? Well, you know, um, I I thought it was uh, one of those gritty performances that you got to put. A, I I mean, I think they said chippy or chippiness about fifteen to twenty times throughout the broadcast, but that's pretty much what it was. I mean, um, you know, they were pissed when they saw Dalton injure himself off of to its knee and, uh, you know, guys like perfect and, and, you know, and Nelson and those other guys. I mean, it was just, it was just one of those games that I'm glad that we, we were, we were able to get out of there with a win and pretty much no bit, no injuries on our side. So that's pretty good. Hard to complain too much FC, right? With the injury situation. No, Mike Mitchell shoulder back spec he plays, but that's about it. Yeah, did they ever say why Villanueva left the game? Um, no. I could take a guess. <laughs> Does it involve a word that rhymes with uh, deck the halls? No, no, that was Steve McClendon. Oh, poor Steve McClendon. Yeah, he, oh, he got a helmet, oh, he got he got a a helmet in the uh, private part. Yeah. Yes, as the Italians say, the Coyons. Um I think that uh, Villanueva actually rolled over on his foot. Um, and I don't know if it was his foot, like he maybe slightly sprained his foot or tweaked his knee, but, uh, I kept an eye on him when he came back in and he looked smooth and looked pretty good. So I just chalked it up to aches and pains of playing left tackle. 
Yeah, it just didn't seem like too serious. But on the other hand, you know, it, that's a key part of your team right now. And so good. it's good to see that MC made it back in there. Also, uh, Orange, I'll bet like you were like the rest of us, you were a little surprised when he got replaced and the whole world didn't come crashing down. Yeah, you know, that's one of those moments where I'm looking at my brother going, who, who's our backup left tackle? I, I just literally had no idea who, who, they, who, who was in there. It was at Hubbard? Chris Hubbard. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean. You know, Chris, one, when, the, when the announcer says, Chris Hubbard now enters the game at left tackle, these are not words that you want to hear if you're a Steelers fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, no, thank you. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> Right. I, I just, uh, the team is, I mean, they're exciting to watch right now. I mean, that's just, that's just what it comes down to. I, I think Tomlin's kind of staying, Tomlin and Haley are kind of staying out of Ben's way. I think Ben's playing possessed. I'm not really sure why people were harping on him during the game thread last week. Um, you know, he missed a couple throws, but you go into Cincinnati against that defense, you know, that defensive front, and and you make plays and you lead the team on good drives to score points, whether it's seven or whether it's three. I mean, Ben is he's playing out of his mind right now. And so again, I think that if they stay out of his way and let him do what he's doing, I mean, we can we can keep riding this thing into January. And I think you know, I don't know. I just it's, they're they're they've seemed to have gotten rid of those errors at the beginning of the year, you know, and that happens with a lot of teams, you know, they kind of get, they have to find their groove. They, they seem to have gotten rid of that. And I think that, you know, this is that kind of the trains rolling. And I think it's just, it's just fun to watch. Hey, FC, wasn't it just, I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago that we were complaining about how the Steelers are like the most boring team in the NFL to watch. Remember it wasn't, it actually really wasn't long. Maybe it was while Ben was out they've reverted to being like back to what they used to be, which for a long stretch there, they were really boring to watch on offense or just in general in the game, but they're far from boring. Now I think orange hit it on the, the nail on the head. Oh, they, they're, they have too much, too much talent to skill positions to be the least bit boring. You know, uh, what I'm trying to figure out is how the fuck hasn't Clemson won a national championship, you know, with Martavius <laughs> Bryant, New Hopkins, and Samuel Watkins, you know, at wide receiver over the last, you know, couple of years. You know, I remember yeah. Taj Boyd was the quarterback, but he wasn't that bad. Yeah, it's funny that, that Watkins is the most was the most uh, valued guy of college. He's the third best of those three, isn't he? He's is 1A, 1B, 1C, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're all pretty good. This is true. Yeah. Um, hey, Orange. Uh, do you feel a little better about that victory, or that? Excuse me. A little better about that loss to the Seahawks than you might have when it happened. Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm officially over that loss. Um, I know you. I know you're there. That's why I. I know it was hard for you. Yeah, and you know, again, it, it. I've for years I've tried to fight. You know you know, kind of pulling for a non-Steeler team like the Seahawks, just because again, for 10 years, all we did was hear about how much they hated the Steelers after we beat them in 2005. But um, I didn't think that we would win that game whenever the schedule came out. I didn't really think that we would win that game, you know, leading up to the game. So it does feel better. I feel like one of the things where we moved on, um, we didn't really need that win to make the playoffs. What we needed was last week and this week, I'm really excited for, for the game this Sunday. Um, 
it's going to be a stern test. It looks like it's going to be Osweiler, right? That's what they're saying. I don't know, FC, do, yeah. you, do you believe them, or do you think there's some subterfuge involved? I think it's going to be Brock Osweiler. Yeah, I don't know, Orange. I, I just feel like... They um, ruled Manning out, so they can't really change oh, okay. that. I'm I'm not sure that Manning's going to play again. I think this is, you know, I think they're letting him practice to to assuage his feelings about it. But I, unless something happens to Osweiler, and even then I'm not sure, you know, if he's going to play the way he did earlier in the year, I mean, he is still the NFL leader in interceptions despite the fact he hasn't played in like a month. And he's, un- he's ahead by, by three, I think. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's just throwing the ball to the other team at that point. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, Osweiler has looked competent, um, but anything that I've seen on, on, on the, you know, the tape or the games that I've watched, I mean, they're not really letting him throw it downfield. It's all just 10, 12 yards with the line of scrimmage. So I don't, so I, mean, I don't, you know, no. it'd be helpful if the pass rush got there this week, but you know, no. we can we can contain him and we can beat that team. So it's a it's a huge game. Obviously, it's at home. It's in December. You know, it's like if we can't get up for this one, then you know we don't deserve to be there. So, but it'll be fun. Indeed. I'm excited. Well, you know, FC, uh, they said by the way, uh, Orange, thanks for the call. I'm going to move on just because they have two other calls sure. hanging in there. But um, appreciate it a lot. Enjoy the game this week. Hey, FC, I I I would say that anybody can put up long plays against the Steelers' defense because they seem to be pretty good at giving them them up. Uh, But Denver doesn't really have that over-the-top guy. Demarius Thomas is a, you know, he'll he'll fight you uh, on close balls and he'll catch it and run with it. But he's not really a get-deep kind of guy. And Emmanuel Sanders is what he is. There's certain things he's very, very good at. That's not the best part of his game either, right? Do they have that guy? Am I just missing him? They scare me. They do. Both, I mean, I'm concerned. You know, I'm also concerned about Owen Daniels running down the seam. I mean. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a huge thing. Um, I'm, I'm concerned, you know. Um, the Brock Lobster has his pluses and minuses. I mean, he's more mobile than you would expect. He has a live arm. His accuracy is there. Eh, but he can spin it. He can make throws. Uh, he's a big physical kid. Um I I think Denver's bigger concerns their offensive line. Um, they're the walking wounded, you know, across their front five. Um, their running backs, same same deal. Um, I mean, uh, Ronnie Hillman's gonna go. Um, Mike Anderson's injured. Uh, Thompson, I believe, is uh, their third back. And if I'm not 100% certain, I should tell you that he's probably not that big of a. Hasn't really made his mark in the NFL yet. Um, There's a lot of complications with this game. Um, The Steelers can come out and just throttle them. The defense can throttle them, but I could see Denver hanging points, and I am concerned about it. Well, the thing is, this is a it's a really good matchup uh, as a if you were disinterested watcher, just because it's a great defense and a great offense, uh, both of which have you know their their weaknesses. And strengths, but are both, you know, obviously terrific. And then on the other side of the ball, they're up and down. They're, they're, it's, it's a very, I think it's a, it's a good matchup from the standpoint of their weaknesses play to our, you know, to our weaknesses and our strengths play to their strengths, right? So I, I'm not sure you can, 
easily predict what will happen. Um, but one one thing I do know, and our next caller is going to tell us about it, um, the Broncos did the, you know, not that we need any more motivation, but they gave us a little bulletin board material this week, did they not, Greg Steele, who's with us from the Great White North. Hey, guys, they did indeed. What's, what's the actual quote? Is T.J. Ward said something. So the I know. Steelers' offense has been hot because we haven't played them yet. Yeah, so in other words, every, a lot of teams were hot before they played Denver's defense. <laughs> I don't know. Have they been – hey, FC, have they been lit up that, yet this year, the Denver defense? Not really lit up. I mean, they uh, – I mean, they, a lot – you, you can go look at the box score, and you got to remember Peyton Manning interceptions and fumbles by various ball carriers. This is a very good defense. T.J. Ward is very good against the run. I want to see him make some plays against Mortavius Bryant over the top, you know? Um, I want to see him, you know, try to tackle A.B. in space. We can get him the ball in space. I mean, Chris Harris Jr. and Aqib Tlaib and Robley, their third corner, they're good. They're real good. Their front is good. It's a good defense. Um, I don't think it was smart for T.J. Ward to talk shit, but he's confident, and he should be confident. It's a good defense. One of the best. Yeah, they also yeah. have that one linebacker. I, I, his name escapes me. Very good against the pass. Brandon Marshall, Danny Trevathan, Demarcus. There's another Ware. guy. I, I know you should look it up, but there was another one. His name is a little more obscure. Very good against the pass. Right. Uh, I'll get it here while you guys are talking. But I was just going to say, Greg, I was about to ask you a question. Uh, is there anybody in the NFL who has better corners? or better pass rush than the Denver Broncos? No, they've got the best defense. That, I, I don't think there's uh, much doubt about that. I, I just, I really feel like Marcus Wheaton has taken Pittsburgh's offense to a whole new level lately. I like to the point where we're going to get ours regardless of who we play, I think. See, you, know, you say that, and I have nothing against Marcus Wheaton, really. And I, he's done a pretty good job. But I think what's happened is that Ben has now begun to trust him. That's the biggest difference. It may not be it's so much that he's, that he's suddenly doing something really different than he did before. I just feel like, you know, once the door opens and the, and the, the guy in charge trusts you, he can get the ball to anybody on the field, really. Yeah, I agree with that. I just think, like, he's coming down with the ball a lot with more regularity now, too. Yeah, well, that, that definitely helps the trust factor for sure. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Uh, let's see. Brandon Marshall, Danny Trevathan, Corey Nelson, Todd Davis. Those are your four inside linebackers for Denver. Yeah, his uh, name escapes. Anyway. Okay. Well, you know, maybe he plays for another team. I'm totally kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. The Rentry McCray. Uh, the other guys yeah. are all pass rushers. Von, Von Miller, Shaquille Barrett, uh, Shane Ray, Demarcus Ware. Jack Barrett actually is pretty good in coverage, too. He's like a little hybrid player. How, how did we not end up with Shaq Barrett on our team? considering that Joey, Joey Porter coached him in school and we had a desperate need at the position. How did this not happen? Uh, I think he's a pretty good player. They wouldn't Apparently they wouldn't include him in a trade. It, it nixed a deal earlier this year because the, another team asked for him in trade and he, they refused to let him go, despite the fact he's like their fourth-string guy. So they think pretty highly of him. Uh, Greek, what do you think happens in this game as far as specifically – the, those two units that I mentioned for Denver, you know, their pass rush versus our our uh, offensive line and their corners versus our, our wide receivers. feels like I have to give an edge to them in the pass rush department a little bit. 
For sure, I'd agree with that. I just I think if we can get if we get over 25 points, I, I find it hard to believe that Osweiler is going to keep up. We take away their running game, put them in predictable down and distance, and put it on Osweiler's arm. I don't think they beat us, but maybe that's just me. So you sound you sound like Mike Tomlin, uh, you know, behind closed doors. That feels like that's what his game plan is every game. Make make them make them uh, not be able to run, and it's just it's the Dick LeBeau defense, right, FC? Yeah, I mean, uh, Ben, don't break. You know, uh, compress everything after they, you know, outside the 20s, being pressure inside your 20 and protect, you know, protect the red zone. Do you have a, the latest injury report in front of you by any chance? Uh, I will dig it up in a second if you uh, talk about something interesting for like 30 seconds. Lorente McRae is the linebacker, by the way. Oh, From Florida. He, he actually, he's a former safety that moved to uh, – Outside linebackers and move the defensive end at the University of Florida. One of my favorite yeah, He's players. good against the pass. I've seen him make some nice interceptions this year. Everybody talks about the Jonathan Bostic hit a few years ago on Teddy Bridgewater. Lorente McCray, that same season, had three or four hits that on quarterbacks where I was like, oh, my, I, I hurt for them. One was uh, against Murray um, from the University of Georgia, who's now at Kansas City, where I thought he might have, um, like, fractured his back because it was I mean he literally like hit him there was a whiplash then he snatched him up and piled him off the ground and I was like wow I don't think he's going to get up yeah uh, he, he said you know if you can uh, you know play well in space enough to be able to uh, be good in coverage and be able to hit like that that's a good combination to have for sure for sure and I'm not I'm you know I'm stating the obvious uh, Greek did you happen to uh, have an eye on uh, our our friend Brandon Boykin in this week's contest? Because he he did uh, he did just that. He he. I think he ended up getting uh, more snaps than uh, Blake, didn't he? Yeah, it felt like I know they didn't say Blake was officially demoted, but it sure felt like they were like, okay, that was it, no more. Like he was getting the Jacoby Jones treatment. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Anyway, he he looked pretty good. Uh, you also pointed out uh, on the board that the Steelers uh, brought in for a look-see, speaking of cornerbacks, uh, Stanley Jean-Baptiste, uh, the, the fellow from uh, Nebraska, who was a second-round pick in 2014 for the Saints, didn't stick there, uh, played like a season of special teams and, and got cut, and then didn't make it on Detroit's practice squad. FC, would you ever have imagined, I, I, even, if, even though there were some doubts about whether he'd be a great NFL fit, there, there were a lot of people very high on him, and I know that you were one of them. Uh, you I, still hope for him? Not a corner. I think that he could be a free safety. Um, it's playing the corner in the NFL whenever you have that length is not always, you know, a simple thing to do. Um, Brandon Browner would be a perfect example. He really shouldn't be played corner in the NFL anymore. I understand Bill Belichick got a lot out of him. He's, like, basically, like, he's horrible. He's a traffic hound out there. You know, you just you got to be able to open your hips and run, and it's not a natural thing for, you know, Batiste to do. I believe that he, you know, he had good ball skills, and he was physical in college, and uh, he really made good reads on the ball. And, of course, he was very explosive, quick twitch, where I thought that, hey, you could turn this kid into a free safety. He's willing to hit. he got good ball skills. You know, he's pretty quick to react. Maybe he doesn't have it upstairs where he can process the information fast enough and make, you know, plays going forward. Because I'm sure there's enough teams in the NFL 
that have a need, you know, for a big athletic kid that can make plays on the ball, and no one's taking the chance, including the Steelers. So I'm going to say that it's probably football IQ with no real position in the NFL that he just he's not one of the team's best 53. Yeah, well, that's like I said, that's a that's a long fall in a short time. Um, so because you know, only being a being a, a top uh, 50 pick or something like he was, uh, and then one year later can't even get signed with another team. That's rough. Yeah. At any rate, uh, Greek, thank you very much for the call. Got to move on. Any other any thoughts okay, about this week's Christmas. game? Let's got a score. Steelers. Got a score prediction for us? Uh, uh I'm gonna go with. 28-24. 28-24, which way? Steelers, of course. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for the call, man, and the information. I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to go. we got a first-time caller. This is uh, – you're only listed as OBN Radio Remote, so I don't know who this is. Who are we talking with? Hey, how you guys doing? This is uh, Mike Prince with Open Mic Broadcast Network, uh, fellow broadcasts on this network, series of networks, I should say. Uh, long-time, nice. lifetime uh, – Steelers fan, originally from St. Louis, but my first NFL game I went to was in 1972 where the St. Louis Cardinals then were hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I've been a Steelers fan ever since. Well, let me ask you a question. What ha- what happened in that game? Do you remember the game? Uh, well, the Steelers actually won that game 17-3. to Jim Hart was the quarterback. Jim Otis was running back. Terry Metcalf was quarterback, and Terry Bradshaw lit the Cardinals secondary up. Yeah, which was – that didn't happen all that often in 72. That's right. <laughs> but, but they had this they – did, they did have this young guy that uh, you may have heard of uh, subsequently, but you probably didn't know at the time, named Franco Harris. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, that was actually his rookie out of Penn State. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that was a big big thing for them. I, I, uh, I'm very – I just – I know that's one of those things, your first game – if it had an impression on you, you tend to remember a lot of details from it. I, I feel sort of yes, that way sir. about my own experience. Well, anyway, we're, I know you've been listening uh, to the show the last couple of weeks. I'm really glad you called in. What I know you last week you were uh, predicting uh, a walkover victory over the Bengals, but this week you feel a little differently. Tell, tell me about it. Well, the reason I'm feeling different about it, uh, and I personally would rather see Peyton Manning in a quarterback than Brock this week. That's <laughs> just me personally. Um, <laughs> Because you like inter- you like interceptions? Is that why? <laughs> I, I love interceptions and I love the confidence. Oh, there's 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 any type of Achilles heel that the defense for the Steelers have, and even throughout the great years, uh, well, I won't say great years, but the good consistent years under Bill Power has been secondary. And uh, I just feel that Brock brings a little bit more threat at this stage of the game than Peyton would bring to face uh, the Steelers this week. I'm, I'm, this this game has baffled me since I saw it on the schedule. And just as a concern, I'm a Steelers fan, true and true. But as a realist, uh, I've said we had to win out the rest of the games uh, that we had remaining, beginning with the Bengals. And if we were to lose, we could only lose one game, and that would be this game that, that I say that we could possibly lose. I don't want to see that. But it's just too many freakish things that could happen with a quarterback who has decent accuracy. Wilson proved that uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm still not over the Seahawks game, to be honest with you, because I just, I just saw a breakdown of a secondary. I mean, wide open, blown assignments. And 
we're too far along in the season to allow that kind of thing to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't argue with any of that. In fact, you know, it also, even if Brock Osweiler is not a, that great, he has a lot of talent to work with, as you said, FC. they, they got three really solid tight ends. Tight ends, tight ends have uh, given the Steelers a lot of trouble uh, over the last few years, especially. Uh, but, uh, you know, I guess I guess my, my sense is, FC, that those communication problems in the secondary are maybe as big a factor as anything in this game. They... You know, I don't know exactly what was going on in, in the, you know, the situations that have happened earlier this year, but you know, how can that thing continue to happen in Week 14? Do you think it's Jimmy's and Joe's? Do you think they're it's what they're being asked to do? You know, what's what do you feel like does break well, are about? I think there's an old system where they say you rob Peter to pay Paul. Where um, I believe that there's been so much emphasis put on the front seven of the Steelers' defense. Uh, throughout the uh, LeBeau era and even now on the Butler era that they feel like they have enough talent on that front seven that you can get some Joes and Blows uh, in that secondary that can be serviceable um, defensive backs. If you really uh, look at the DB history of the uh, Steelers, after Woodson in what I would call the new millennia area, what defensive back has really stood out for the Steelers? These have been guys that have been mediocre, uh, um, I would say a, a B at most, but they fit the system that has been uh, predicated and, and stressed on that front seven, applying pressure. Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, you're, t- you're preaching to the choir. Uh, uh, my, I was just going to throw it to my co-host here, FC. Do you, do you think the mental breakdown, though, is that a talent issue? Because that's the thing, if you bring in guys, who supposedly fit your system better than the more talented guys, they got to be smart and, and do their assignments properly, correct? To a point, but um, each, each game is unique. Um, we'll, we'll go back to Seattle. Daryl Bevel designed a very, has a very good offense of a plan, naturally, just to attack attacking defenses like the Steelers. Steelers want to, you know, attack with their front seven, drop back into cover three, and let you, you know, they'll protect, you know, the, the red zone, the money area, and they're going to attack. And whenever they got your back against your own goal line, and um, I, I completely agree um, with the caller who said that you know our, our defensive backs outside of Trip Palomalo and prior to that Rod Woodson, we we we, we haven't had the the, the the superstar, but we've had cogs and cogs that fit you know in together. Um, Denver this week, I also agree. Brock Osweiler has a better arm, he's more accurate, even more accurate, and he's far more mobile than Peyton Manning. And I'd much rather face Peyton Manning than Brock Osweiler, and I think every team in the NFL would say that now, and I should basically tell Peyton Manning it's time to hang him up. I'm not going to be one that's to, 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 to tell a guy to stop making $15 million a year, but, you know, at this point you're stealing and tarnishing your career. You know, Johnny United should be always rem- remembered as, you know, an Indian, or as a Baltimore Colt Oh. I would have people kill me for this thing in Indianapolis Colt, not a San Diego Charger. But um, the Mallers, I mean, they're, they're going to happen. I mean, what you, you, you can't have them in the back end because that leads to touchdown. If an offensive lineman fails or a defensive lineman, you know, drops his gap, you, you could have a 15-yard run. You know, a cornerback drops the coverage, you're going to have a 75-yard touchdown. Yeah, and this is, this is they're exposed for the world to see. And, I, you know, the one thing I'll say about the Seattle game is, Daryl Bevel specifically targeted, you know, the Steelers 
tendencies on tape for what they had done uh, in, in zone coverage in the red zone and had play calls that exploited it. In other words, there was, there was a, you know, two guys running routes that were, that he, he knew how they, how the defensive backfield was going to react to those two guys. And the third guy literally would wait until the, you know, the other guys started clear with their routes before he even started his route. That to me is you are specifically targeting not just a guy, but you're targeting the way that that team plays zone coverage on tape and, you know, you've got to have guys. I think the Steelers' defense at times, when they've been really good, like in 2008, 2010, they had a secondary that uh, was, a, 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 pardon the big word, amorphous, you know, where guys were in a certain zone coverage, but they also re- reacted to the flow of the routes that were being run and the route tree, and they, they weren't so locked into, you know, what they're supposed to do that they couldn't react to something that was a little different. And I think that's part of the problem is you just you have – you know, you have guys who have somewhat limited physical skills in, in the case of uh, some players and maybe very limited skills in the case of others. And if they don't work as a team and just know, hey, if I, if I cheat a little bit inside to take this route away, I'm, I'm not leaving my other, you know, uh, teammate out to dry. If I, if I do what I'm supposed to here, I'm going to leave a guy wide open behind me. You know, that's, those are things that, that veterans learn how to do when they, when they play zone together. And I'll go back to the caller for a second. I'm sorry, uh, I left you on there a long time listening to us windbags talk. No, no problem, man. No problem. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all a good. Now, one thing that, that I am, and I've listened to you guys, like say the last couple of weeks or so, that I've been uh, singing all praises to is the offensive line for the Steelers. And this deep in the season, at least for the last four or five years, has been the most productive and healthy front line that we've had. And if I'm Beecham and if I'm Pouncey, I'm expected to told, be told to either have my role reduced or even be ready to move on because Pouncey, as talented and as much has been invested and we hadn't got much on the return from Pouncey, he's too fragile. For whatever reason, he, he just breaks down. As soon as you think you're ready to roll, he breaks down. And Wallace has come in and done a heck of a job. Beecham was a slow developer who has finally caught wind. Then he gets hurt, and, and his backup comes in, and it's not missing a beat. And that is why this offense is exciting to watch because Ben is protected. He's going able through his processions two and three times before he has to get rid of the ball. Yeah, I, I can't uh, agree more. FC, I, you know, if money were not an issue, you just have uh, Pouncey and Beecham and all the guys come back next year and let them all fight it out and, and just think, wow, this is great. And in the mid-'70s, that's what would have happened. But unfortunately, you know, you have you have uh, at least Beecham in a contract year. Is Foster also up? He's also yeah, up. Yeah, he is. I actually wouldn't be surprised to see Ramon Foster. Is uh, A lot of people like him. Wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers, you know, give that money to Beecham and slide him in the left guard because I think that actually Kelvin Beecham could be an excellent guard. Um, He's only six foot three. Uh, he does have long arms, but he's facing off. You know, facing a lot of times. You know, uh, uh, the six foot seven. You know, Michael Johnson would be a perfect example, or JJ uh, Watt. You know, whenever he's in a five technique. You know, that that, that that's a lot to ask for a smallish guy. I, I I played out there on an edge, and I'm barely six two and a half. And there's a lot of times where it's just like I'm just outgunned. You know, the length of the guy. He can have his hands buried into my chest and I can't even touch him yet because of my lack of arm length. And 
you know, that, that, that's – I like Calvin Beecham, but the play of Alejandro Villanueva has been fantastic. Hey, hey good it's work. It's been superb. <laughs> it's been absolutely superb uh, because – and when you look at this dude, man, he's just towering over everyone, and his footwork is excellent. It's a very yeah, rare thing. It's a very, very rare thing for someone to, thing, to be that tall to have that kind of bounce. And the thing is, you can't question his character or his right. <laughs> like the two because I mean, what his background is before that. So anyway, this is a, something that the coach doesn't get often enough credit for. You know, he's literally like looked at that guy across the way and was like, "We we need guys like that. Bring that guy here. Bring him to me." Uh, but I'll say this: I have a question for the caller. Oh, well, go ahead. I was going to disagree. I'll let you go. No, no, no. You ask the question first and then remind me. I have a big disagreement with you, but go ahead. That's good. Uh, <laughs> um, are, you, are you calling from St. Louis right now? Actually, I live in Texas. I've been in Texas since 1988. It's a crazy story. Um, I'm a former baseball player, and um, I'm, I'm a big sports nut, so I've developed awesome. a, a, a sports network here in the Texas area where we feature – uh, local, regional, high school, and collegiate broadcast coverage. We do over 400 broadcasts a year, and oh, I've wow. been to St. Louis three or four times a year. I'm still at St. Louis Cardinal. That's Baseball phenomenal. My question is, my question is going to be the same thing. Listening to you talk, the one thing I want is burn ends. <laughs> I'm in, uh, I'm in, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, but I live now in on the South Carolina Georgia line, where we get a lot of good pork barbecue, but we don't get the good beef. And yes, every time sir. I go to Kansas City or St. Louis or to Texas, I'm getting me my brisket and I'm getting me my good burnt ends. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I tell you what, man, if you're ever in this way, um, if you go to OBN Radio, look us up and, and, and shoot me an email, man. I'd be more than happy to take care of you. No that problem. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> He'll send you some burnt ends for, for the holidays. <laughs> oh, anyway. Hey, I really appreciate the call. When is when – is, uh, do you have – are your shows you just you broadcast live or do you do talk as well? Uh, we broadcast live. I've actually just developed a, a, a talk show, and I simply named it the Mike Prince Show, ironically. And right now we're just doing a, a Wednesday mornings, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, which would be Eastern Time, 9 to 10. And we do a live show for an hour on Wednesday mornings, and we're trying to develop it. Uh, we've been getting a lot of good uh, reviews and hits on it. We got roughly about 150,000 listeners that listen to our broadcast, and uh, we're we're covering the Southwestern Athletic Conference, um, some of the Sun Belt Conference, and uh, now the Junior uh, NC, NJCAA uh, National Junior College. Yes, yes, National Junior College. So we do a. Uh, um, of course, football is king in Texas, and we do probably about 96 to 100 football games during football season. And um, but our our uh, I guess expertise would be baseball. Uh, love love baseball, being a former baseball player. So uh, we have already scheduled uh, what 62 baseball games for just uh, college alone, and we've yet to add our baseball. Uh, our high school baseball coverage. So it's always something to do. Uh, I kind of walk through basketball season. I hate basketball, but I come as <laughs> part of the service. Um, basketball sucks to me. It's just too much ego and selfishness, and I just can't get that. You know, and, and football is the essence of teamwork. 
and baseball is the essence of individual teamwork because you're only one ninth of that program, and you can yeah. only do your part. And if you focus on doing your part, you don't have time to try to be the superstar. You're just trying to hold up your end and don't let your brothers down. And that's what that's what makes sports beautiful to me. Yeah, well, man, I couldn't have said it any better. Mike, it's a fantastic call, and uh, I I hope that we do this again. I'll I'll try to find you and call into your show and be as good. I appreciate it, man. Uh, uh, right now, I think it's like OBN, I think radio or something like that, the central channel or the remote, whatever it is. It, you know, this I'm still figuring this stuff out. <laughs> so right on. Well, I got you. I have your page open here. I have your page open at obnradio.com. So I I see you, and I yes, see sir. you were a you were a power hitter. I can tell because you played catcher in first base, and you they didn't make you run around in the outfield. Oh, man, um, running is not an option. <laughs> here, here, sir. Here, here, sir. <laughs> now, believe it right or not, on. I'm an old linebacker, but I was a middle linebacker, so I let the big guys do all the work, and I just go make the hit. Go so, I, <laughs> we need to work. Nice. You go get fed. Nice. Okay, well, thank you very much for the call. we gotta, we got to move on and talk about this. We all right, appreciate it, guys. And go, hey, go Stickers. Go Stickers. Oh, right on. Right on. Thank you. Um, so, uh, FC, um, you know, in terms of this week's matchup, I just, I mentioned, we touched on for a second, the edge rushers, you know, one thing about Denver is not only do they have some, some really great, uh, edge rushers who have, you know, done it for years in the league, they got a couple of young guys, they're deep. They just keep throwing guys at you. How does that differ from what the Steelers have faced so far this year? And how is that going to play out in this game? Cause that's, that maybe is my biggest concern. I mean, uh, DeMarcus Ware is. DeMarcus Ware, he will get, still get you with a spin move. He can get you with a post and duck. He's a very, very good pass rusher. Then you got Vaughn Miller on the other side. May weigh 240 pounds if he's lucky. But, boy, does he first, his first step is unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Best first step quickness I've seen in a while. Um, then you got Shane Ray. And you got Lorente McCray. You know, they're, they're, this is – they can just wave pass rusher at you, down after down after down. That's why I expect the Steelers to limit that, to force that Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware to stay on the field. You're going to see more no huddle than you probably have recently. And I don't mean the sugar huddle. I mean straight no huddle at the line. They're going to have to do it. I mean, it's, you gotta, that's the best way for the Steelers to put themselves in positions to win. I think that you're going to probably see a lot of pro personnel with deep passing from the Steelers this week, which you haven't seen a lot of. The Steelers have thrown the ball vertically, but it's mostly been out of three wides, shotgun. I wouldn't be surprised to see some play-action pass, vertical passing out of, of the eye. Um, it's the things that Denver struggles with. If you let a key to lead and Chris Harris get their hands on your wide receivers and just bail, they can do a pretty good job. I don't think they have a guy that can cover Martavius Bryant. I don't think there's too many corners in the NFL that can cover Martavius Bryant. I expect they're going to put Tlaib on him as much as possible because Tlaib's 6'2", 210 pounds. He can, Martavius Bryant wins a lot of 50-50 balls by just being the bigger guy, just being more physical. And that's the same thing for Des Bryant and for Megatron. You know, their girth, their size, their ability to box guys out and get the ball that makes them into superstars. And that's something that Martavius Bryant has going for him, except he's a 4-3-5, 40 guy, which Megatron also is, but Des Bryant's not. 
you know, Demarius Thomas is not, you know. Um, Although Demarius last, Thomas doesn't have the doesn't have the vertical game like up, no, but by that I mean off the ground game that sure. Bryant has. But he doesn't he, have the bounce. Has, I completely agree. But he's maybe the closest in terms of speed. The thing that you know is basically Bryant had the ability to really use his hands to uh, you know c- collect the football when he gets to it. Man, he'd be a, he'd be illegal. There would not you know there wouldn't be record right. books enough. And so that's something with work you can – I think that – and he showed, you know, by putting on, you know, the good 15 or 20 pounds. When I say good 15 or 20 pounds, he didn't sit around eating baklava and ho-hos and, you know. <laughs> he, say, he, he I could said, put on 15 pounds before Christmas. Right. <laughs> right. It's not going to be a good 15 pounds. He put on the good 15 pounds. He put on muscle. You know, and that's, that's the hard, hard work generally for, for the athletic guys is to put on that muscle. You know, because he he doesn't really have the body type. And for him to get that done, that had to be a ton, a ton of work. The the work that he's going to have to, you know, maintain is that size, which probably won't be hard for him now at this point. But he got probably 1,500, 2,000 balls a week from a jug machine or from a live arm. I'd prefer a live arm just so that you really come out of the quarterback's hand. But, you know, that he's going to have to work. His hands are good. They're not great. If his hands get great, he'll be illegal. Great term. Yeah. And, uh, hey, but they're going to run. I mean, I would imagine you mentioned that, you know, there probably no huddle would be part of the strategy. To me, I would not only no huddle them, but I would I would run the daylight. I'd run the football at them once you get DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller on the field because sure. DeMarcus Ware doesn't want no part of the run game. He wants to go after the quarterback, does he not? Sure. And Malik Jackson, actually, for all the praise that he gets, you know, he's a 280-pound defensive tackle. Derek Wolf's a 300-pound guy, but he doesn't play like a 300. And this isn't meant to be an insult. Derek Wolf's far more Brett Kiesel than he is Aaron Smith. And that's not me attacking Brett Kiesel because I appreciate what he did. But he didn't sure. have the snarl or the nastiness or the violence to his game that Aaron Smith did in the run game, shedding and beating blocks. No, no, Derek and, Wolf could be he could he could play outside linebacker in a three four. I mean he's absolutely kind of he's, yeah. right. And Malik Jackson is just a step down from that. I mean most teams, you know, are afraid. Dumber doesn't have the 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 the, the classic run stopping defensive lineman, and, and and it shocks me that no team has really really taken it on and att- tried to attack him with the run. But what I've noticed when I looked over their schedule, they haven't played a ton of teams that really – the teams that they, that they played that could, you know, beat them with the run game, a team like Kansas City, let's say, really didn't have the ability to, to, to pressure them or to concern them with the passing game. Jeremy Macklin's Jeremy Macklin. They're, they're, you know, Alex Smith is Alex Smith. You know, um, yeah. how, how's Denver – this is actually far and away the best offense that Denver's going to face this year, in my opinion, and that includes New England. Whoops, I just said it. You know? Um, with Le'Veon Bell, there's no fucking doubt in my mind that the Steelers have a better offense than the New England Patriots. From a talent standpoint, it's not even close. You know, that's why talent doesn't always win games. You know? Um, I, I, I'm concerned about this week, but for some reason, I think the Steelers are going to just slide by and get through. This is a big, big game for them. Yeah, and just before we uh, move on, uh, I was going to say the other, to me, you know, the other the other side of the matchup, I, I, I can see the Steelers, uh, you know, manipulating the Broncos a little bit with their ability with, to use no huddle and, 
you know, I, I, no matter who the cornerbacks are, Ben and his receivers can get theirs. They may, they may not get everything they want to do against Denver's corners, but you know, they'll get enough that I'm, there has yet to be a team whose corners can shut down, you know, on their own can shut down the Ben's receiving crew. Plus Ben, it's more like, uh, you know, they could run into some issues occasionally with pass rush. I'm, I, it's the other side of the football to me is where this game really comes down to. Uh, I, you know, it's kind of like, can can they do what they did to Cincinnati last week, which is limit limits Denver's offensive opportunities, and when they do have it, try to, you know, not give up more than one or two big plays in the game. Because I think if, if they hold Denver's offense to not more than a, a handful of big plays, that might be enough. I asked you about the injury report earlier. By oh, I, did, I, did, I did see it. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Ryan Clady listed on it? Uh, I don't think he was. I actually didn't catch his name. Let me see one second here. Uh, bah, bah, I, guess, I think I might have closed it. Um, I know that uh, Bud Dupree was on it for his tailbone, which I did not know. Uh, right. That he had, was, had an injury. Uh, injuries. But Ryan Clady, that's a fine question. Uh, let's see. Here it is. Uh, the Broncos injury report did not participate. C.J. Anderson, Owen Daniels, Todd Davis, Evan Mathis, Laurentri McRae, Darian Stewart, T.J. Ward, limited participation. Bolden, Bruton, Caldwell, Fowler, Latimer, Manning, Trevathan, and full precipitation. Uh, yeah, he's not listed on there any place. What, what do you know about him? Um, I was – that was my concern, um, or not concern, was my question. Um Somebody told me that he went on season-ending IR. Someone told me, or I read that he went on season-ending IR, but it wasn't from one of the more reliable sources. So, and I forgot to check on it myself. So, yes, he's on IR. He's on IR as of May 29th. He's been Frank Lady. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was. I just want to dive in to clarify because I just want to make sure. And I don't remember if it was mini mini camp yep. or if it. Or if it was uh, off season, but one of those two. I didn't know if he was on IR return or anything like that. I just want to make sure that he wasn't playing. Yeah, I don't know. You, how you, you threw me for a loop too because I was, I was thinking he was out, and then you mentioned he might be on the injury report. So at any rate, yeah. right? I thought that I just want to make sure he wasn't on the IR return. He's not coming. He's he's not riding out of the you know riding into the stadium. Uh, right. Nor nor is Peyton Manning of uh, two thousand. And I don't think Evan Mathis is going to play this week either. <laughs> So, I mean, and I understand they haven't been playing, and Denver's been, you know, holding serve here pretty well. I don't know how Denver's going to block us up, man. I mean, what happens if James Harrison decides to have another game like he did two weeks ago? You know? I mean, he's ever well, been Well, I'm sure he saw, he saw Khalil Mack's game last week and thought, you sure. know, I can do that. <laughs> right. Did, did, did Mack play against the Steelers in the Steelers-Raiders uh, game? He did. Man, Two words for you. That's an argument for Marcus Gilbert Gilbert's as an all-pro. Let me tell you right now. Um, wow. I mean, if he does it again this week, um, I mean, and he doesn't make the Pro Bowl, it's a joke. He's, I mean, I, I have never been the biggest Marcus Gilbert fan. I, I liked him when we drafted him. I soured on him a little bit. Perch and my brother loved him. That last yeah. year they said you're crazy, and I just. I started looking a little bit more, and I, I put them under the. I put you know Marcus Gilbert under the microscope for the final eight games of the year, and he was very solid. And this year, same thing, and he's been very good. Most consistent yeah, well, offense. They, that's a terrific signing for them too, because when they signed right. him, people thought it was he was overpaid, and now you know it's looking like a pretty good deal. 
It is. I mean, it doesn't make up for Marquis Fonsi, but it's, you know. (laughs) Not quite. Or or what David DeCastro made last year or what he's going to make next year, but that's another question for the day. Um, Hey, uh, just quickly, uh, our our Around the League uh, segments brought to you by? Dean Blandino, Gene Sinator, Mike Carey, Mike Pereira, Little Baby Jesus, Roger Goodell, Chico's Bail Bonds, Rico, uh, we already went with that, so we got them all. Hey, uh, I noticed that it, it, I haven't heard if it's absolutely 100% confirmed yet, but that it appeared uh, it was reported that Justin Houston lost for the season. Wow, for big Kansas loss. City, which is it's a big, big deal because you know they're winning on the strength of their defense, and if, if people when people wanted to give them a chance to make some noise, uh, and you know, and so on and so forth, it was largely on the on the fact that they had those two big outside pass rushers. Um, that was the biggest news I thought this week. I, I can't think of anything I heard that was worse. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt also uh, seasoning ending IR, which couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Uh, yeah, so just to quickly. Oh, my um, <laughs> quickly, you want to <laughs> – Seattle? To me, you know, Seattle's a nice story. Carolina, though, I guess is maybe the best story. Is there a chance Carolina loses this week to the Giants? This might be their best chance to lose before the postseason. <laughs> Even without Jonathan Stewart, I'm going to say no. I mean, uh, I watched that Giants team, and uh, wow, they're bad, man. I'm uh, don't, Odell Beckham Jr. is phenomenal. I heard him compared to Jerry Rice, and I was like, whoa! But he's very, very good. Um, but they can't, they can't stop. They couldn't stop a Pop Warner team. Speaking of teams, how did LSU not win when they had? The stable of talent that they had. Oh, my God. Michael Brockers, Anthony Johnson. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. Um, because Jarvis crazy no, no slouch, man. No slouch. Yeah, yeah. Cra- uh, crazy. Um, when's the last time the L- – I mean, we're going to say Jamarcus Russell, but, I mean, quarterbacks, Mettenberger, but he started off at Georgia. What's up with SEC and the quarterbacks, man? I mean, I Cam Newton came out of Auburn, and I'm sure there's a few exceptions, but the last Alabama quarter, uh, quarterback to win a game in the NFL as a starter, and I, it was like, that dude played in, like, 1982. You know, it was just some crazy name, and it was just, like, I found it to be absolutely shocking. No, the, um, the, the, guy, that, the guy that went to the Jets, he didn't win a game? He didn't win a game as a starter. Craig McElroy came in as an injury replacement in-game and won. No, this was from, like, Stats Inc. on ESPN, and, uh, like, the guy was vehement about it. I mean, it was, like, a quarterback – like, it was a starting quarterback from Alabama from, like, the early 80s. It was, like, 30 – it's been, like, 30-some-odd years because we were talking about A.J. McCarron. uh, A starter – starting quarterback from Alabama won a game in the NFL as a starter. No, there you go. Uh, yeah, actually, Greg McElroy only played in two games, uh, but he came in and won a game against Arizona. That's the thing there I, was, I was thinking of. But as you said, he he was a uh, came off the bench for that. He won with a whopping four point one four yards per attempt in that game. <laughs> so, Nick Saban took exactly, over the play calling. Didn't exactly light it up. Well, anyway, uh, anything else of note to talk about before we go make our picks for this this week? Hmm. No, this is this Denver Denver Pittsburgh is a nice. That's a nice uh, Saturday or Sunday afternoon, uh, you know, sort of pseudo prime time appearance. I wish it was at one o'clock. I, I bitch about this all the time. I late my Steeler games at one o'clock on Sunday. I just, 
I have a plan, I have a routine, I follow that plan, I follow that routine, and 4 o'clock starts. The, the thing that scares me most about 4 o'clock starts, I'm just going to be honest about it, that the 1 o'clock game runs late, and I'm going to miss the start of the Steeler game, and that pisses yeah. me off. It, like, ruins this the is entire a, game for me. Entire this is This game. is the, uh, yeah, well, yeah, except for this is a, four, this, this game doesn't start until, uh, what is it, 425. So I think, I think you're going to Knock the wood. Don't say it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, there'll be a power outage or a lightning storm somewhere. Exactly. All right. Well, um, let us let us go uh, pick this week's games. Uh, I, I throw it to you. What do you, what do you think is going to happen this week? I think it's going to be ugly. Not ugly the way you're thinking right, right away. Um, Denver's a really good defense. I think the Steelers are going to win. I don't think they're going to win by a score that a lot of people are going to necessarily like. I think it's going to be like 23, like 17, 23, 21. Um, if they figure the Steelers can blow the, blow the top off this game and blow the Broncos out, it's, it's a possibility. I don't think it's possible that Denver beats the crap out of the Steelers. I just I can't see it on paper how that could happen. Um, Tlaib, Chris Harris, Brandley Roby, if they can manage to cover, you know, Bryant Brown and Wheaton without much issue, Steelers are going to really struggle in this game. Um, I think the Steelers' best chance of success early in the game is going to be with the run game. Um, Denver is really not a super physical defense. Um, where the Steelers ain't going to have to play at freaking mile high where the oxygen levels are screwed up. You have the you know a, a larger amount of an adrenaline dump, so there ain't going to be no excuses for the Steelers in this game. Is basically what I'm getting at. They need a game. It's pretty much a must win, you know, for the Steelers. I don't think they can afford to lose another game and make the playoffs. That's my opinion. I haven't looked on the numbers. Swiss and everybody at the board does a great job with that. It's not my thing. Just the way I look at it. If the Steelers win this week, move on. When the Browns and, and the Ravens and Browns game, they're 100% guaranteed to make the playoffs. That's what they have to do. Um, the, I think that the, I called. I mean, my little article when I mentioned it on the on the, the broadcast about and you you brought it up originally about Stephen Tua not playing in the first Bengals game and him being the key to victory. I'm going to go a little bit outside the box this week and I'm going to say Ryan Shazier is going to single-handedly be the biggest difference maker and win this game for the Steelers with a defensive touchdown. Interesting. Um, yeah, I like it. And uh, you got a score for me? Uh, I'll go with uh, 23-17. 23-17. I, I, uh, it's funny. Like I, I think it's a common misconception that uh, you can't put up points on the board uh, by having a game that you focus on the run. And, I mean, I just feel like it's you can put up some points, you can focus on the run and, you know, to move the ball but still finish it off with, with uh, you know, touchdown passes and so on and so forth. But uh, I really like the Steelers' matchup in this game, running the football against Denver. I know you mentioned it. It's something that you, you thought as well. And that could easily lead to uh, a low-scoring game. Uh, you know, the kind of, you know, Steelers blowout we've been accustomed to seeing with the, you know, like your 20, 23 to 13 score or whatever, or 17, right. 17, 15. Uh, but I, I kind of think uh, the Steelers, when they're rolling on offense and they have, you know, really other than the Cincinnati game this year, when they've had Ben and they've been at home, 
even in the preseason, they 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 were just lighting it up. Uh, I have a feeling this is going to be a game where the Steelers uh, has a chip on their shoulder uh, facing Denver's supposedly best defense in the NFL. And, you know, they're going to prove the adage that in the 2015 NFL, if you have a really great offense, you can beat any defense, and especially playing at home uh, with all the advantages that that gives them in terms of uh, their comfort level and, the uh, you know, uh, no huddle and, and – uh, so on and so forth. So I, I like the Steelers to win big in this game. Uh, I'm actually going to say 38 to 17. Uh, from now on, I decided the last couple of weeks I'm going to add points to whatever points I think the Steelers are going to score because they seem to be outproducing even my uh, my optimistic expectations. So I was going to say 35. I'll say 38 to 17. I, I think the game could be closer, and I don't, I'm not going to lose any sleep over the fact that the Steelers winning by a point or two instead of winning by three touchdowns. But it just has a feel to me of a game that's not going to be close uh, by the time we get around to the last third of the game. Just too many weapons for the Steelers, too much ability for offenses in the NFL to manipulate defenses, even great defenses. And I don't think uh, Denver has enough on offense. They're going to get get some movement of the ball, especially with those tight ends. But I don't see them being able to run very effectively against the Steelers. And if they can't run and they have Brock Osweiler, quarterback, they are not going to score a lot of points against the Steelers uh, in in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. I like the Steelers big, thirty-eight to seventeen. FC, I'll give you the last the last thought. I'm going to go way, 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 way off the normal path with this. Um, I'm not a big soccer fan, but yesterday, probably one of the greatest American female athletes of all time, called it quits. The one in a one nothing loss against China. This athlete's name is Ali Wambach. She's a female. She's not your classic you know, definition of beauty or greatness in sports. But she was one of the best, if not the best, at what she did ever by hard work, determination, and just a will to be great. And uh, she said that she hopes that she's forgotten. And the reason that she hopes that she's forgotten is because someone came along that was that much better than her, and she hopes that girl was an American. And I was just stunned by that. She deleted her Twitter account, and she just wants to fade away into obscurity. And more athletes should probably take, you know, learn a lesson from, you know, what Ali Wambach did, you know, where, you know, it's it's, it's hard to stop playing the game, and it's it's hard. Don't be a clown. And, you know, don't be Pete Rose out there at 75 begging for money and to get in the Hall of Fame. Have some character. That's it. (laughs) Funny that you said that in a week when the Denver Broncos are in town. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, my, my thought for this week is for all of you uh, traveling, apparently, according to AAA, it's going to be the biggest travel day in the history of America, or biggest travel season in the history of America. More people are going to travel uh, for Christmas this year than ever due to low gas prices and what have you. But uh, be safe traveling. Don't be like Perch. Try to stay in the <laughs> car with the wheels on the ground without coming into contact with other objects and uh, keep yourself out of the hospital and, uh, you know, keep the egg, the eggnog drinking to a minimum. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to have some kind of a, a show next week, but we'll, have, we'll be more festive than this week. <laughs> but it's, it's, to be fair, it's hard to be festive in Miami Beach in the same kind of way. It's like, oh, yeah, wait, it's getting close to Christmas and uh, Hanukkah's over and whatever. Anyway, uh, I, I would just like to say my final thought be uh, I – I am extremely uh, uh, gratified and honored to have, you know, we did this, we did this show on, on talk shoe 
so that we can have some callers call in and uh, and get some people involved in the show who I know want to talk Steelers football. And I don't think we've ever had a better week for calls and callers and the quality of the calls, man. It was fantastic. So thank you to all the callers that be Orange Steel, Greek Steel, uh, <laughs> STD, and um, Mike and our, our friend Mike Mike Prince from uh, OBN. Thank you to all of you for uh, terrific calls and. Man, go get them, Steelers. Thanks to Perch and uh, SteelersFury.com. Guys, join us next week after a big Steelers win. FC, thank you. Go get them. Thank you. Go Steelers. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.